Hallelujah, sweet Jesus. All righty, let's turn our Bibles today to... No, no let's, let's just jump into it. We have been talking about keys of the kingdom. A key unlocks, it binds one side, and it looses another side. We can bind things of God and loose things of God by using the keys to the kingdom. Now, there are multiple keys, but the key that we talked about was the key of finances. And today, we're going to continue talking about the key of confession. And then what we're going to do is also understand that keys are laws. There are laws of sin and death, but they can be triumphed or trumped by the law of the kingdom of life. And so laws will loose things, laws will bind things, laws will commit certain powers to do certain things. So laws are important. Now laws are established to ordain or to manage the behavior of three realms. The laws of the spirit or life are given to us to have activity or the behavior or the response of the kingdom of heaven in our life. The laws of the kingdom is also allows if we use them for the behavior of the enemy, the thief, the one that comes to kill and to destroy, that it will bind him, limit his access to our life if we will use those laws. If we do not use those laws, then he automatically, because of a declaration of negativity or declaration of inactivity he will then begin to step into our affairs and then there is the laws of the spirit of life and the laws of sin and death that dictate the behavior of individuals and laws are important without them there is no order without them sin abounds Without them, unbelief abounds. Without them, fear rules people. And so we're talking about the keys of the kingdom. They are the very same thing as the laws of the kingdom of life. And the laws of the kingdom of life, just like the keys to the kingdom, trump the laws of sin and death. And so this week we're talking about the law or the, the key of confession. Now, let's go to uh, Romans, the 10th chapter and verse 9. Now, a confession is a statement of faith or of unbelief. The positive confession is the confession of faith. A negative confession is a confession of unbelief. Confession is an agreement in the positive or a disagreement in the negative. And then we realize that uh, an agreement or a confession is an agreement or a disagreement with either party. You can agree with the devil and you can disagree with God or you can agree with God and disagree with the devil. Now in Romans 10.9 it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, now, let's realize what that means. That if you will agree with God that we were all sinners, and if you will agree with God that man could not redeem himself, if you will agree with God what took place at the cross, then you understand that's an agreement, that's a confession. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Now understand that when we first use confession, the first time you use it and confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, that the power of that confession reveals to us that our confession disconnects and connects us to powers or to identities. Our a confession of Jesus Christ then looses us from one identity and joins us to another identity. 
You might say, well, I understand that, Pastor. That's pretty simple. I know it. All I want to do is try to get you to live it. I understand it's a very simple process, but Christians, as well as the world, are notorious for preaching the negatives of the Adamic man instead of the positives of the Christ man. We are so used to living unbelief and fear, restriction and limitation, that it's hard for us to say something that we do not feel comfortable with saying or that we don't have evidence with our physical senses to confirm. So understand, what confession did all the time, one time, it will do repeatedly. Could again, amen. If a law is used one time and you get certain benefits from that law, then you can use that law any time you choose. Could again, amen. Any time you choose. But if you let the law lay there, then understand that people can misuse you because there is no law restraining the behavior of the one that seeks your harm. Is it, is it okay? All right. So when we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, we disconnect ourselves from what? The kingdom of darkness. We disconnect ourselves from sinners. We disconnect ourselves from being the enemies of God. We disconnect ourselves from being children of disobedience. Now, what I want you to see in that is the power of your confession. See how powerful that your confession was because it is just as powerful if you will take what God told you to say and say it again. You didn't say some magical phrase that you came up with. You simply said this, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all you had to say. And when you did, the kingdom of God was loosed on your behalf. And the kingdom of darkness was bound on your behalf. Now, I would think that if I could do that once, that just in my simplistic mind, that I could do it over and over and over. Right? Why? Because confession is a law. Confession is a law. So, that started, our confession started a life of faith. A life of faith. We are no longer connected to the devil. No longer connected to the devil. He has nothing in us. Do you understand? We have been redeemed. The blood of Jesus has washed us away from our sin. Holiness has been granted to man. Now we are in the process of perfecting that. I understand that. But that doesn't do away with where you are right now. Now, the perfection of your holiness will take you to different stages with God. But you are the son of the living God right now. Right now. You don't have to wait. You aren't going to be when you get to heaven. You are now. If you have the son, you have eternal life. That means that you have been estranged from death. Okay, hallelujah. All right, now let's turn our Bible to... a. Uh, Philemon, now I, I put in my mind, Philemon, I'm sorry, can't get away with that. Uh, I am just a touch hungry, hallelujah. And we're going to look at verse 6. Now this is real simple. It's just real simple. That the communication of thy faith, or the living, the expression or the evidence of thy faith, or the evidence of your new identity in Christ, of thy faith may become effectual. How does it become effectual? Well, I read and I study and I memorize. Not one of them is what this scripture is saying. By the acknowledging of every good thing, which is in you in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you want to see your faith 
produce the Christ life, if you want to produce an unshakable and undeniable evidence of God on your side, then you're going to have to not just take and put this in your mind, put it on your cards, put it on your radio. You are going to have to say something. And just as salvation is a completed work, but does you no good unless you confess Jesus is Lord, so is it that everything that Jesus did on your behalf will do you no good if you do not mix a confession, which is a releasing of faith to what God did for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, let's go to uh, Hebrews uh, 4, 6. I wasn't going to do this, but I, I think it'll just uh, help you. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and let's go from 1 to 3. <clears throat> Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, talking about New Testament saints and Old Testament saints. But the word preached did not profit them. Did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. In other words, the gospel was preached to the Old Testament people. But many of them did not believe. David believed, Abraham believed, uh, Joshua believed, Caleb believed. We have men of God that did believe. But we have multitudes that did not. The rich man was one of those that did not believe. And he was sent to an eternal hell, but he could have went to the region of paradise or which would later become heaven where Paul said, I was caught up to paradise. So it was brought into the third heaven of God. So we have to understand you, even in the Old Testament, you had to use faith and you could have been saved. Amen. Now, how was faith mixed? They did not confess that God had sent or would send a redeemer. Now, let's go to uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, and let's look at, uh, no, no, Romans 12.2. I'm sorry. 12.2, Romans 12.2. I kind of want to explain the process. And so we're going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say, in other words, I'm not done talking about the subject that I'm addressing. And it says, for I say, through the grace of given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt unto every man the measure of faith it's interesting that the renewing of your mind and faith are written together now here's what we say we say, well, you know, you got to renew your mind, brother. You'll be transformed. Half a truth. Well, the Bible says don't be, re don't be conformed. Uh, you need to get your mind renewed so you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Does anybody know what the renewing of the mind is or that it does? The renewing of the mind is simply an unveiling of the revelation of truth. Is that true? 
Now, truth alone does not set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free if you're my disciples and continue in my word. So, what does it mean to have our minds transformed? It means that while we are searching and studying the Scripture, that we see a revelation. A revelation does what? It unveils the work that grace has accomplished on our behalf because we could not do it on our own. How did you get saved? By grace. Now, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What did you hear? You heard about the grace of God, didn't you? You heard that Jesus Christ died in your place. Is that right? Wow, and that came to your mind. You said, whoa, I never knew, I didn't know. Did that save you? No. No. Now what you have is the deposit of a revelation of grace. Now that grace must be mixed with faith or it will profit you nothing. Could it get an amen? It just, it, it, yes, it's true, and it's simple. But what we do is we study, we study, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees, heard, heard, heard. But it never profited them anything because they never mixed faith with it. In fact, John 12, 42 and 43 says, there were men of Pharisees and leaders and scribes that believed in Jesus, but because they feared man and wanted the praise of men more than the praise of God, they did not confess him. Listen, a renewed mind would just give you knowledge and it'll puff you up. But if you have a renewed mind, then you will understand the process that when God gives you a revelation, it is nothing but a revelation that will cease to dominate your thinking if you do not mix faith with it. It's the truth. It is the truth. And so we have to understand that when we are studying Scripture and our mind becomes renewed, that, is, that means that we have just received a revelation of God's grace. But revelation alone will not save you nor change you. You've got to realize that you are saved by grace through faith. You're not saved by grace only. You're not saved by grace only. You cannot be saved by grace only. In other words, you can't be transformed in the new creature into the new creature, your new identity, and live in the fullness of sonship without faith being mixed with what you discover. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. None of this is in my notes. God, please, I want to get through this today. 1 Corinthians 2, and let's go to verse 4. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. For your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Notice the difference between men thinking they have wisdom because they know something and the power of God. You cannot be saved by wisdom or revelation alone. And then it says this, how we speak wisdom among you that, they, that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the foundations of, our, of the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, 
For if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, as it is written, I have not seen, ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Somebody say revelation knowledge. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have not received, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know. Somebody say, the things that we receive are not from man's wisdom, but are unveiled to us by the Holy Ghost. All right. And then it says this, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us of God. Now, how are things given unto us? By grace. Somebody say, by grace. Everything about man's redemption is connected to God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, And then it says in the next verse, now what's this? Now God reveals things to us by his spirit. Remember what Jesus told Peter, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but the spirit of my father. In other words, that was a revelation. He is the son of the living God. Okay. Now, look at verse 13. Which things we also speak. Wait, wait. What, what do we speak? The things that are freely given unto us of God. Huh. So we are supposed to speak what we discover. We aren't just supposed to discover them. They are revealed to us for the sole purpose of mixing them with faith. Why does God reveal the power of the cross to a sinner so he can just know? No. He does it so that he will use faith and be saved. God reveals things to us that we may mix them with faith in order to communicate or to experience what God has done for us by acknowledging verbally that we believe them. And then it says this, these things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, what are the spiritual things? We compare spiritual truths with spiritual languages. We compare revelations with a declaration. That's what we do. We don't get a spiritual truth and then continue to talk like a lost man. I'm trying, Jesus. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. That means that they are revelation. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So we understand that revelation knowledge is beyond human knowledge and human value. No matter how outside of the boundaries they may seem. If the Bible says that when Jesus appears you shall be like him, that's just what it means. When the Bible says in 1 John that as he is, so are we in this world, don't doubt it. God did not lie to you, but he does need your faith 
to bring it to pass. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you, three Methodists. Hallelujah. And he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is not judged. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Well, nobody can instruct the Lord. But we have the mind of Christ or the mind that was instructed by God. Remember, I do nothing except I hear or see my Father do it. So we have a mind that is supposed to be instructed of the Lord. We have the mind that is to be instructed of Christ. That's a mouthful. Now, yep, hallelujah. Now, let's go to Ephesians 1.4. We'll make this hallelujah. Everybody following me? Because even though we've been taught this a thousand times, 90% of us have such deep-rooted unbelief that we would not say what God said. We will always say what we see. See, a confession brings you into agreement or brings you into a place of disagreement. Confession either joins you to God and separates you from the devil or will separate you from God and join you to the devil. Now, where was I? Um, oh, Ephesians 1.4. All right, Ephesians 1.4. Can I have that on the screen? Thank you. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, that is the work of redemption. You and I all know that, right? Say this with me. I am chosen of God. I am holy. I am without blame. He is not searching for shortcomings. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, you may not think that you're prepared. You may not think that you're ready. But let me tell you something. I am chosen of God. Now, there are millions of people that don't agree with me. But I think I'll side with God and disagree with you. God, God chose me. He didn't appoint me. He didn't just call me. He chose me. Now, my mom and dad were pretty active Protestants. Out of every seed exchange between a man and a woman, there are four million possibilities. Oh, my God, and my ears have never heard this. Then go get a book and read about it. Now, my mom and dad had 14 kids. Now, I'm sure that they just didn't come together once a year. But it seemed that way. But I'm presuming since I have my father's bloodline, that he was an active Protestant. And so before I was ever born, I'm just shooting. In three years, they probably had, they came together maybe 20 times on a bad week. But 20 times four is what? 80 million people pass before God. But God's eyes never fell on any of them. I, well, let me rephrase that. God's eyes never favorably fell upon any of them. He examined every one of them. But only I was found choosable. Now, if your mom and dad is still alive, you could go ask them, mom and dad, how many times you've had, and you can put, you know, I'm one of 300 million. But what I want you to see is you are chosen. Just say every day, I am chosen of God, and I am holy before the Lord. Well, you know you're not. You have absolutely no right to judge what God has said about me. Unless you see a sin, 
you have no right to say anything else. You cannot call somebody unclean like Peter wanted to when God has cleansed them. But Peter didn't like them. I understand that. It's not up to you. Unless there is a specific thing, then you cannot make blanket statements. See, some people, sometimes I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I just think he's unclean. Do you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just get an uneasy feeling. Well, what's he doing? I don't know. Well, you know what? You're trying to pick out something out of his own eye that you have a log jam in affecting yourself. If you can't tell a man what his sin is, the Bible said, if you see your brother sin, a sin, then you go after him. But if you don't see it, if you can't recognize it, then you cannot declare him unholy when God has said, he's what? Next verse. Having predestined us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to his good pleasure of his will, God selected me out of a great desire to position me in his creation. And he did you too. Next verse. To the praise of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Notice, go back, notice that's his, his grace that makes us accepted, but without faith, we never into, enter into that place of acceptance. And it says this, and hath made us accepted. Somebody just say, I'm accepted. Just like you are. But you don't know I got all these flaws. I know that. I understand. I got plenty of them myself. But you know what? What you can't do is deny what God has said about you, and then you on your own efforts become what you think he wants. When you begin to declare, I'm accepted in Christ, God begins to change your behavior to show that you don't belong to the world, but you are united to him by faith. Next verse. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. Because of the riches of his grace. Absolutely. Next verse. For who wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and understanding or prudence. Now let's go to uh, Galatians 1.4. I like this one. Galatians 1.4. Who gave himself for our sins for the purpose that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God the Father. Now, why did Jesus give himself for our sins? Look at it. That he might deliver us from the evil of this world. Let me ask you something. Is alcohol evil? Is pornography evil? Is drugs evil? Well, could you not stand there and see the glorious work of grace? God transforming man by establishing him in a new kingdom, in a new identity, and in order for that behavior to be changed, he has to accept his new identity. So instead of working out your own sins and your own shortcomings by your own strength, how about employing the strength of God that he sent his son to deliver us with? And if you started saying things like this, God, now I'm not saying that you might not be addicted to alcohol, but... I would encourage you, instead of confessing it to men, that you might just start confessing it to the Father. 
God, I want to thank you that you have delivered me from the alcoholic evils of this world. I want to thank you, God, that you have delivered me, God, from the evil of drugs and addiction. God, I want to thank you that, God, you have freed me from pornography. And, God, my desire is toward my wife. And, God, my behavior is dictated by my identity in you. Now, you would say, oh, but I'm still drinking. Well, when you got saved, you were probably still sinning. Because you didn't all get whitewashed like Tom Sawyer's fence. Huh? Yeah. You still got angry. You might have cussed. You did things that you were still doing until you continually confessed that you were a Christian. And as you continually confessed that you were a Christian, guess what happened? the new creature rose up and replaced the old creature. Now, I know that this is so contrary to everybody's thinking because we are just works-oriented. But I wasn't saved by works. I will not be changed by works. I will not stay steadfast by works. I will not stay blameless by works. I will not stay holy by works. I will do it by the provision of God's strength and grace through faith. That's what will set me free. And we will start adding these things to our life instead of finding things that we're trying to change on our own. I'm trying to be more diligent. I'm trying to be more faithful. Please, in your own strength, you're never going to make it. But how about finding a scripture that says, God, I want to thank you that, Father, you said that a steward and a servant is faithful. And, God, you've put in me a faithful spirit. God, I am a man that trusts in you. I am a man that believes in you. I am a man that is led by you. I am a man that is committed to you. And God, my love is not for myself, but it is in you. And God, you are in charge of my life. And Jesus is Lord of my actions, my ears, my thinking, my verbiage, my feet step, my hands. And God, I refuse God to walk as a man that does not know you. Put faith with something. People say, you got faults, Pastor. You ought to have met me before I was saved. I'd kill you if you'd seen any of them. I, I told fellas I could be a hit man before I got saved. Don't, do not think that I could not. If I told you things that I did, you would not doubt what I could be. Phyllis will tell you, if he ever backslides, his clothes will be on the porch before he gets home. Why? Because I'm going backwards. A pig goes no place but backwards. A dog returns nothing except that which he separated himself from. I'm not proud of what I did, but I did them out of my nature, out of my behavior that was governed by my identity. But now, in Christ, we are all new creatures. Amen. And we cannot put off the old man with just hearing a revelation of the cross we can only be transformed into the new man by mixing faith with the work of the cross. Amen? Absolutely. All righty. So, confession means to agree with something or to become one with something. If go to 1 Timothy 6.12, I don't think I'm ever going to get through this today, but... 
All right, 1 Timothy 6.12. It says, fight the good fight of the mind. Fight the good fight of what? How did you overcome the devil the first time? Faith. Don't be afraid to say it. It's not a cuss word. Don't be afraid of people criticizing you because of faith. And it says, fight the fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life or on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called. You're called to eternal life. And hast professed. That word professed is the same word as confession. It means to say something of a truth which you choose to join yourself with and to say it. That's what it means. Profess something. Say something. Acknowledge it. A good profession before many witnesses. The fight is a fight of faith. How is he fighting it? Somebody say, by his profession. By his confession. Look what it said. If you're fighting a good fight of faith, then your confession is saying just what grace has done on your behalf. Not what you see, not what you feel, not what anybody else is doing. It is you confessing, acknowledging every good work in the midst of multitudes of different types of witnesses. Say it in front of people. Now, let's go to, uh, oh, let me see. Profession means confession. It means to say something, to join ourselves with a truth or to reject a truth, to join ourselves to a falsehood or to separate ourselves from a falsehood. Hallelujah. Now, let's go to Jeremiah 1.4. Jeremiah 1.4. Confession of what God says about you in the midst of self-evaluation or in the midst of evidence contrary to what you are saying will alter the evidence and transform and manifest what God has said about you. Notice what I just said. If you confess what God says about you in the midst of evidence that may be totally against you, then your confession will join you to the identity that God has declared about you instead of leaving you where you're at. Let me answer this. What took you out of the kingdom of God? Did you crawl your way out, did you? Did you crawl your way out of the kingdom of darkness? Did you beg your way out? How'd you get out of it? Confess that Jesus was Lord, even when he wasn't. Well, I don't believe in that speaking stuff as though it is when it's not. Oh, you got saved that way, duh. It amazes me how crazy people are. They deny their faith and then say they have great faith. I don't believe in confession. How did you get saved? Please, pray tell me. How did you get so beautifully transformed? I have a friend one time came up to me and said, uh, are you one of them blabbing, grabbing, claim it, and name it? And I said, uh, I don't think it's that many, but yeah, I am. He said, do you really believe that? I said, I don't know. Are you talking about heaven? You've never been there, never seen it, don't have any evidence? Well, I'm going to heaven. I said, really? Give me proof that it exists. He said, well, I'm saying what the Bible said. I said, you hypocrite. And old Joe just said, I... now Joe and I are still friends. But really, Joe was speaking one thing and believing another. You can't talk about heaven and not speak of things that are not as though they are. 
Your name's written in the land book of life. Have you been there? Well, God don't make mistakes. Maybe he made it on purpose. So that you wouldn't be there. And see, you'd think he missed my name, but you would never think he'd miss yours. No, we need to side with God. Could it get an amen? Absolutely. Jeremiah 1.4 says this. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Oh, hey, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am a man. I am a child. Now, notice what Jeremiah is doing. What's he doing? He is absolutely rebelling against God. He is absolutely disconnecting himself from God's called purpose for his life right? What God created him for before the foundations of the world and the reason God brought him forth out of the womb. Jeremiah is denying it and refusing to embrace it by his confession. I can't speak like that. I'm a child. Since when does it matter who you are or what you can do if God is on your side. All right, let's go to the next verse. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, in the modern day English Bible, Shut up. I am a child, for thou shalt go. Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Next verse. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Notice he didn't go to his mind. He went to his mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And the Lord said unto me, Thou hast seen well, I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, what if Jeremiah would have continued saying, I'm a child after God said, say not. You know, when God reveals something to you by the Holy Ghost, remember 1 Corinthians 2, 6 on down through 13, he never expects you to go back to the wisdom of fallen men. And he does not expect you to resist him, rebel against him, and refuse to join with him. Why does God do? He gives you a word to put in your mouth. Amen? And, and to show that, go, go, just go to Romans 10, verse 6. Romans 10, verse 6. And then it says this, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh, speaketh. Somebody say, I'm righteous with God, so I should speak faith. And it says this, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. Next verse. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is in your mind. E-O. The word is nigh thee, even what? 
in your mouth and in your heart, your mind, that is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith is not intended just to renew a man's mind. The word of faith is preached to renew a man's mind and to fill his mouth with faith. A revelation of grace will transform your mind, but only faith is the creator. Remember, nothing else creates in the Bible but faith. And in order to make grace become a reality, it requires faith from the individual. We just got entirely too much. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to wrap this up. All right. Uh, go to uh, Mark 11, 22 through 26. Come on, we got 13 minutes. Praise God. Till 12 o'clock. Then they'll start shutting down the chicken place. All right, says this. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart or his mind, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Don't move that. Ah. Now, do, do you, knowing that you could speak to a mountain, move the mountain? No. No. That's the problem in our lives. We could remove mountains, but we think it's foolish to speak to them. Well, well what could we speak to? How about debt? Oh, I, I don't just don't. <laughs> stay in debt. Just stay there. But I'm telling you, you have power in your tongue, life and death. Now, you get to choose what you're going to join yourself to by your words and by your confession. <coughs> Excuse me. Phil, come wipe my nose, darling. All right. And then, <laughs> next verse. Therefore, based on this purpose, believing what you say comes to pass, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may also forgive your trespasses, you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Now, what did it say? Based on you believing what you think. No. What you say comes to pass. You are never to have confidence in a revelation. You are to have confidence in your faith in a revelation. Because without it, that mountain will not move. Now, let's notice something that says, go back one verse. Go back two verses. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Believe that you receive them. Is believing a condition of the mind? No, no. Believing is an expression of your faith. Now, to show that to you, let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Hurry, if you want to get out of here before 12. <coughs> there you go, thank you. We having the same spirit of what? Faith, according as it is written... I believed, and therefore I have what? We also believe, and therefore what? See, believing without speaking is not the spirit of faith. 
believing and speaking releases the spirit of faith. What does the spirit of faith do? Create. Makes real what the word declares just like in Genesis 1 through 6. Now, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and then you shall have them. Believe. What are you supposed to do after you pray? You're supposed to believe. That means you're supposed to go to your brother and say, well, we've been praying for it. Man, we're just hoping God does. And, and, well, well, you know, man, we're, we're, we're just uh, believing it's going to come to pass. That's not faith. Faith is you believe in your heart and you confess something. Therefore, what you confess joins itself to you. Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of God comes and transforms me into a new creature. Not by works. Not by trying. It's by works. So here it says, when you pray, believe that you received. Don't talk about we're hoping. Don't talk about, well, we're believing. No, no. Say, we prayed and I believe that God heard me, and this is my confidence. If he hears me, then I have the petitions that I've asked of him. And you don't let people say, well, we're still praying about it. No, you're not. No, 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 we aren't. We heard, we believe that God heard me just as much as he heard me when I prayed, forgive me of my sins. Why does he penalize me not hearing me now that I'm his son? But when I was a sinner, he would. What what, what kind of God is that? That's the God of the imagery of the twisted mind of a believer. Now, when you pray, believe that you receive. Now, you speak what you believe. Now, it's been working for you negatively. You've prayed and then you've been saying, well, we hope God that heard. Well, it doesn't seem like nothing's changed. You got just what you said. That's what you believed and you got it. It's been working. But now let's flip it to positive instead of being negative. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, confession works. I look at Phyllis and sometimes in her worst state. You know what I mean, Gloria. Have you ever seen her without makeup? Now own up to it. Beautiful. That's before your eyes went bad. No, she she is beautiful. But sometimes she needs help to bring it out. Okay, we all do. So I would say to Phyllis, honey, I love you. I love you, darling. You're beautiful. I say that when she's fixed up. And then I just hold fast to it when she's not. (laughs) Well, you know, my wife knows I love her. Now, it's not enough that she knows. Do you know? Do you know? I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. You ever say that, Bob? He is right now. He's trying to make up for it, ain't he? (laughs) How about you, Rick? Oh, sure. You, I'll tell you what. You, you think you're so perfect. You think... I have to say confession probably works, even for you. So, but we're going to ask what your wife confesses. And uh, no. Say, if you say you love her, well, boy, I love her, but she agitates me. Really? What she agitates you about? You need to stop saying that. Phyllis knows I'm perfect, so we confess it together. My husband is perfect, God. We just worship you for the great work that you've done. God, let not the glory that's upon him blind me. Jesus, we thank you. I come home sometimes from crusade. Hey, honey, how did you? Oh, man, honey, we had 100,000 saved and miracles. And she said, oh, that's great. Take out the trash before you sit down. 
she never lets the glory of the Lord go any further than the boundaries she has set. So she says, leave the glory at the door and get in here. Let's watch what we say because I'm telling you, it's working. Whatever you're confessing, make sure you want in your life. Now, how do we get a confession instead of an imitation from a book? You go to the Bible and you take a scripture and you meditate it. And then what's going to happen is a revelation is going to spring out of it. That's a deposit of grace. Now grace is waiting for faith. And then you start declaring that confession out of that revelation. And it'll always be personal. And it'll always be about you. And God will do a great work and transform you. And you will become what you say. All right. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you that you have redeemed us. We've been redeemed totally. You have infused in us the spirit of faith. You are unveiling to us consistently revelations from the Holy Ghost that seek the deep things of the Lord. And it is those revelations that are truth that set us free as we put our faith to work as Romans 10, 7 and 8 say. God, let us have more faith in you and your work and your power than we do instead of self-evaluation. Let us be who we are in you, not what we seem to be in our own eyes. For God, we are more than conquerors despite our climb out of the pits that we are fighting in. You have declared us, and therefore, God, we will join ourselves with a victorious outcome. God, we thank you, and we give you the praise for it in Jesus' Christ's name.